American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Bearded Bastards Radio here on American Hammers Network. I am your host, Tex of the Fresno Irons, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, the one who it hangs about three inches above his sock line. We know exactly who that is. Liam Bright. How are you today, Liam? I'm doing fantastic. Although you did just out the fact that my balls hang all the way down to just above the sock line. So that's uh, that's embarrassing, but it's also the reason why I couldn't play professionally because they just don't want to see that. It's like a jackass routine where Johnny Knoxville's balls are hanging out the bottom of his shorts. That's essentially my my life. So appreciate that. Well, you're also older, so we know they tend to hang lower as you get older. So oh, yes. at least you could tie them in a bow now. You can throw them over my shoulder. <laughs> um, it's a it's a happy bearded bastards radio show. Uh, we missed last week. Uh, let, let's be hundred percent honest. Life happens. Uh, Liam, you prioritize things uh, over this show, and um, that's why I have a glass of whiskey right now. Sure Liam, why don't you did. let the people know what you chose over doing this show with me last week? It was my daughter's third birthday. And so we surprised the kids and took them down to Disney and they didn't even know. We just told them we were taking them to LA and it wasn't until literally we walked into the parks that they were like, wait, are we, are we going to Disney? And I was like, we're going to in Disney. And they got so excited. And then we did the Halloween party for her actual birthday. So I told uh text here that we're going to have to take one week sabbatical so I can enjoy some Mickey mouse. You know what I think of your sabbatical this? <laughs> that is the sound of me cracking the whiskey glass. And I just want everybody to know that uh, I was not at Disney. I was sitting my happy ass on the couch watching Friends reruns, eating ice cream because of my depression that I couldn't do this show. <laughs> That's how much this show means to me on the Bearded Bastards Radio. So let's go ahead and uh, let's tip our glasses. And uh, on all serious note, happy birthday to the lovely Winnie. Thank God she doesn't look like you. Oh, I praise whatever powers may be. Oh, I like that one. Ooh, I like that one. So, what are we drinking tonight? Oh, we're, uh, we we got fancy over here. We're drinking Willett's Four Year Rye. Um, very good whiskey. Um, if you don't know, you need to figure out out of Bardstown, Kentucky. Uh, Willett, more known for their bourbon, but this is their Four Year Rye, and I I will go out on a limb and say it's one of the best ryes you can have. The it's a slow burn. I can see your eyes welling I, up. Uh, Thoroughly enjoy this. Holy crow. That was so good. Oh, I'm looking yep. for Of course, this is the one you only bring like a, a bee's piss of, of alcohol for us, but Let, let's we'll be drink honest. it slow and tender. All right? it's, a, it's a celebration whiskey, and that's why I've brought it, because we have some stuff to celebrate. Yes, we do. Since the last time we talked, let's take a look at what West Ham have done. 2-0 over Wolves. Yes. Anderlich in Europa League Conference, 1-0 at their house turned around the, on the weekend beat Fulham three, one, and then today beat Anderlich two, one at the London stadium. So West Ham United have won four consecutive games in all competitions. So of course I'm going to bring out one yeah. damn good whiskey to enjoy this. So we're going to do kind of an abridged recap of uh, the first two games. And we're going to kind of focus in on the Fulham game and the Anderlich game today. Um, but since the last time we talked, we played Wolves. We talked about how big the game was. West Ham needed to get right. They did get right. We saw Skamaka get a goal. We saw uh, Jared Bowen get a goal, win that game 2-0, and look pretty dominant in the game. Yeah. Um, was very impressed with it. Um, they did bring on the West Ham killer um, and Adame <laughs> Troy, but mm, he ran into Big Dos. Oh. So real quick, just give me some abridged thoughts on that match. Um, obviously, it was big for West Ham United to get those three points. Yeah. But what were your thoughts on it? I mean, big, big deal for Skamaka, right? I think that's his sixth goal um, by the time we did Fulham. It was, so it was his fifth goal. Uh, no, sorry. Fourth goal with uh, Wolves. Fifth goal against Anderlecht away. And then his sixth goal um, uh, uh Against Fulham. Against Fulham as the uh, the second goal, but we'll get into that one. Um, Bowen, I think it was big deal for him to be able to get on the score sheet. Uh, I know he had scored in one of the Europa League matches, but this was Premier League. He needed that additional boost to gain his confidence, and it gives him a better shot at making the World Cup squad. So I think he's looked incredibly dangerous. I think he's finally finding his way back into form. 
Um, the link up between Paqueta and Skamaka is something to behold. I'm I'm a huge, huge fan of what they've been able to orchestrate so far. Uh, with Anderlecht away, I knew that that was going to be a tough game, but uh, I think we we held firm. They had some pretty good uh, chances. They had, what's his name? Fabio Fa- Silva. Fabio Silva, the one who scored against us when he still played for Wolves last season. Um, so I was nervous that he was going to find his way on the score sheet. Almost did at the <laughs> death. So yeah. uh, big, big shout to Ariola for that that world worldy of a save. Uh, I don't think people give enough credit to how great that save was. That's amazing. That was uh, Alfonso Ariana. That was a Ariana. Ariola. <laughs> that was uh, one hell of a save. And I mean, I finally saw West Ham put it out on their social media feed said, what a save from Ariola. And I'm like, motherfuckers, that was four days ago. You should have been talking about that. Then that should have been when it happened. It should have immediately been putting it out. But some of the things I think are really interesting. This is what nine wins out of 13. So like, yeah, we had a rough start to the premier league, but when you really look at the season as a whole, it really hasn't been as bad as we think. And with these consecutive wins, that's what's really building the momentum. I mean, I know Liverpool have a game in hand, but they're tied on points with us. Well, first off, it was a horrible start to the season. So let don't forget, you're still a fan. That is short for fanatic. So it's okay to be yeah. out of control here but, and uh, say random bullshit like it's the worst start to a season of all time. Well, it, I mean, it wasn't because the other that, <laughs> that 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 second season for uh, 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 Pellegrini that yeah, four was straight, yeah. four straight. That was really really bad. It was three straight this time. Yeah, but. Man City, we kind of knew that was going to happen. Forest was really the one, you know, uh, struggle for me. Like, that's the one that we, especially watching them now, they're so shit. We should have buried Forest. It, not not even with just the hits off the post. We should have buried them. But it's good to take teams like Wolves that were only one place above us on the table and, to me, soundly beat them. And then go to a team like Fulham, who was significantly higher than us on the table, actually looked like they are having a decent start to the season. And being being able to really put the pressure on, I thought Moise's game plan worked really, really well. Um, some maybe dubious calls with VAR, some that would, <laughs> I would consider 50-50. They really could have gone either way. But with the luck we've been having so far this season, it was time for something to bounce our way. What about you, man? What were your thoughts? Well, the, the Wolves game was much needed. I didn't care how we did it. I didn't care if it was ugly. I didn't care if we scored a goal off somebody's testicle. It just did not matter to me. I knew we needed to get that win. So that 2-0 win, I love the fact that Skamaka got on the score sheet, and I love that Bowen got on, because I do agree. Bowen's had a little bit of a tricky start to the season. I don't think it's necessarily that he's been horrible, but he's definitely not been the Bowen we're used to. Yeah. And, you know, I've even said it on this show Maybe he needed to be dropped for a game to light the fire. Ultimately, that was not the right choice because he's starting to roll right now. Um, really liked the, uh, you know, I, I am that guy. I'm the American here, so I'm going to admit it. When it comes to Europa League Conference, I don't put a lot into it. I mean, do I want to see us make a run? Kind of. I would rather finish higher in the Prem. To me, that is priority number one. This is priority number two. Well, we've won four straight now with our win today over Anderlecht 2-1. We have 12 points. We've already advanced out of the group. So at this point now, Moyes can focus on with two games left to play in our group. It doesn't really matter what happens unless you're trying to get that top seed, which... I think it's going to be pretty hard for us not to get it with those four wins. I think Anderlecht's the only team that really has an opportunity. I don't think they can now because we beat them home and away. And I think they're only on four points. So even if they win the last two games, that still only puts them on 10. So, so we've already we've clinched. got it locked up. I yeah. thought I thought Anderlecht was the only team that had a viable shot, but maybe they had to get a draw today for that to be a shot. Yeah, they did because actually Silkeborg beat FCSB. So they're the next closest on six points. So if they win their next two, they could potentially tie us because they're. But we'll have it on goal differential as long as we don't get sh- uh, shellacked. Possibly. Their goal differential right now is eight. Yeah. Yeah, their goal differential is actually higher than ours. So there is the potential that Silkeborg could. So we need one point. We need one point out yeah. of the next two matches to clinch it. Again, you still don't have to focus as hard on it. No. But I do want to get into the Fulham game. Yes. Okay. So let's take a look at the Fulham game because there, there's a couple things that I want to bring up about this match. And it's nothing against the, the match we just watched today with Anderlich winning 2 1. Um, uh, the score the score sheet today for Anderlich, uh, Bowen and Ben Rama. Bowen and Ben Rama. Ben Rama hit a beautiful, 
beautiful, very that. I mean, that that you couldn't have hit it any more left because that was a that shaved the damn post on that free kick. Yeah, phenomenal job. I I really love that I saw Benny play well today. Yep. Um, he needed that. I yep. think Moyes kind of put him in the doghouse, got him back out of the doghouse today, and then Bowen. What a fucking strike from Bowen. Um, Dude, that whistling sound was the sound the, bo- the ball made when it went off his foot in the back of the net. There was no chance. That was a faster shot than Andreas against us in the Fulham match. Like, that was a rocket off his boot into the back of the net. But what I really loved about the Benrama goal was that we had tried the free, tr- free kick from the opposite side of the 18, and Cresswell put it over. So on this side, when Cresswell ran over the ball, that you could see the whole line moved. Because they thought that's where the ball was coming, and then that's when Benny put it in. Beautiful, beautiful free kick play. Um, that was—I I wouldn't quite say that's Payet level of free kick, but it was still pretty damn good. Payet's level was this consistency. The fact that he was hitting one out of five was pretty scary. When I think the average player hits one out of fifty. Yeah, you know, so that—that's what made him so dangerous. But the the Fulham game really sticks out as as this for West Ham United. We win this game 3-1, and we go down early 1-0. Within the first five minutes of the match, we're sitting in the pub. We're going, fuck, here we go. And I think we all just kind of looked around, but the good news is we didn't lose our spirit. We kept we kept chanting our songs, even though we know they can't hear us from Fresno, California, but God damn it, we want to feel like we're a part of it. <laughs> um, then West Ham started to settle in, started to get the better of the chances after about the first 20 minutes. It took them a minute to settle in. So, of course, West Ham get a West Ham-type goal when Craig Dawson, Big Dawes, does maybe one of the best jobs of getting a ref to get on your side I've ever seen. <laughs> we get a corner. Bowen's standing at the corner flag, getting ready to take it, can't take it. The ref stops and basically warns Pereira, who's the person who scored for Fulham, not to get in his way. Stop doing it. He does it. He does it a second time. Dawes looks back at the ref and goes, Puts his palms up and goes, what the hell? The ref goes, kind of nods in agreement. Dawes goes, I'm going to like, kind of gives a nod. Like I'm about to do it again. Goes Pereira basically tackles him to the ground. They blow the whistle penalty to West Ham United. And I love what Dawes' reaction. He gets up, he kind of sits on his ass for a minute, hands on his knees, gets up, waves to every other West Ham United player. Just walk away. Let them bitch. We got our pen. Bowen steps up, buries that penalty. Um, it was, I didn't like the pin at first, but I think he set up the goalie beautifully and then hit it the other way. It was gorgeous. Uh, we get back in the game 1-1. Then, in typical West Ham fashion, in the second half, Skamaka gets on the ball after a beautiful through ball. Um, I believe it was from Paqueta. Yeah. Yeah, Paqueta yeah. sends a beautiful through ball in. Skamaka has to kind of control it. It takes some kind of funny hops, which we found out later was why the VAR check was as long as it was. And Skamaka chips the goalkeeper. Have you ever been playing FIFA, Liam, and you get chipped? It's the fucking worst feeling in the world. So Skamaka chips the goalkeeper. It goes in. He doesn't celebrate. Obviously, we find out there's a double VAR check. We'll dive into that a little bit deeper here in a moment. And then I swear to God, David Moyes has to be listening to the show, especially you, Liam, because in about the 65th to 70th minute, Skamaka gets pulled off. And Antonio the Brute comes on. And when Antonio the Brute comes on, he does exactly what you said he would do. The back line is wore down, trying to sit there and stop all the runs of Bowen, um, all the runs from from Skamaka, and they're tired. And the next thing you know, now you got to deal with the Brute Antonio. And, of course, Antonio gets on the end of a ball, chests it by, muscles through a player, goes. And then Antonio, and in typical Antonio fashion, strikes his goal right at the goalie, rebounds off, gets it, finds his way, hits the rebound back into the net. West Ham up 3-1, down and d- done and dusted. West Ham United have the three points. Um, beautiful celebration in the corner. I really like between him, Zuma, and and Kara. Uh, yeah, yeah. was a great celebration. Um, of course, Antonio's always be good. West Ham take the points 3-1. Um, we're going to dive into some stuff before we do. What were your thoughts on that match? And, you know, obviously West Ham falling down, but finding a way to come back and not just win, win convincingly, even though there was some controversy in those goals. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you 100% on the the Dawson pen. And I, I, I went online and I basically said as much. I was like, look, the second and third goal, you can make your arguments, right? Like, 
He's obviously not offside, and that was the initial check for Skamaka on on his goal. The second one was saying that it either could have hit his hand on the way down or it bounced up and hit his elbow. So he was technically using that to stop the elevation of the ball, which would allow him to, to chip. I think that's giving too much faith into something that happened in a fraction of a second. Like his hand is always up against his thigh. So it's not in an unnatural position. So that one you can rule right out. The second one with it bouncing up, there's not enough, no matter how much you slow it down or watch it at regular speed, there is not enough evidence. And that's what it says that VAR is there to overturn a clear error made by the on-field ref. And there was no clear error. There was not enough evidence to suggest that anything that there was any influence done by his hand or arm before he shot that ball. So at that point, by the letter of the law, you have to go, okay, let's move on. And I think, I think maybe Chris Kavanaugh watched that Chelsea game and said, oh, fuck, I'd have given it to West Ham. So this one, he was like, I'm giving it to West Ham. So I'm sure Dawson and Skamaka took him out for drinks afterwards. They sat down at the Vic and had a couple <laughs> pints. But it was, for me, if they had overturned that, there was there would have been part of me that would have been like, all right, I mean, I guess, but I still would have felt hard done by it. I I felt like that there was not enough evidence to overturn that. If I'm a Fulham fan, yeah, I'm fucking fuming. Same thing. We were fuming when it was us against Chelsea, whereas Chelsea fans were like, oh, no, that's definitely a foul. Fuck you. No, it wasn't a foul, but whatever. With the third goal, this is where it gets interesting. So the ball bounces up, and Antonio kind of puts his arms, obviously you guys can't see me at home, but he puts his arms like like tight into his chest and it looks like the ball kind of comes off of this arm but the way that it the trajectory happens that if it had bounced off the inside of his left arm it would have gone the opposite direction it doesn't it bounces kind of off his chest and keeps going to his left towards goal what a lot of people were ignoring was the height of the tackle the Fulham player that comes in is tackling Antonio at mid-thigh so if Antonio doesn't stay on his feet and get that ball, that's a red card. It's going to be a drop ball from that position. That defender would have been um, the last defender or whatnot. So it would have been denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. So he would have been red carded. That player would have been sent off and we would have had the ball from that position regardless. Not saying that we definitely would have scored a goal, but Fulham would have had to play those last four or five minutes without a man anyways, because that tackle definitely was red card worthy. But what's super interesting is that when Antonio shot the ball at the keeper and he fumbles the ball, that sequence of play is technically over. Tim Ream from Fulham careens into the keeper, stupidly tries to take the ball. I have no idea why. They stumble on each other. The ball, well, because he's an American. That's fucking why it happens. The ball rolls away. Shots fired. Yep, shots fired. Antonio gets his foot on the ball, slots it in the net. So when that happens, it becomes a new sequence of play. So that's technically that's what I've heard why they didn't go back and look at the initial potential fumbling of it because the the on-field ref, Chris Kavanaugh, allowed play to continue. That play ended once the keeper um, had had semi-control of the ball, which then obviously he went he lost control, new phase of play. They couldn't go back further than that sequence. So the only way that goal would have been overturned was if they deemed Antonio had fouled the keeper, which he didn't. Tim fucking Ream followed the keeper, which is why I still believe all American soccer players are deep down West Ham fans. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, I did not realize there was much controversy on that third, third goals or was, but I will tell you this and I'm going to, I'm going to get in on all this. I'm going to take a look at controversy. Number one, there's no controversy. Prayer is a dumbass. hundred percent. Okay. The ref told you to stop doing it and you kept doing it. When I was a little kid, if I said something wrong to my mom, she said, don't say it again or I'm going to pop you in the mouth. And I said it again, got popped in the mouth. I can't complain to my mom like, what are you doing? No, you told me what was going to happen. You didn't. So Pereira obviously didn't get spankings when he was a little kid. So he's not a man. So he bitched. That's basically what happens. Let's be real there. I 
act right because I got my ass kicked. Pereira clearly didn't. He has been a little bit of a golden child or what I like to call a brat. So stop being <laughs> a goddamn brat, Pereira, and grow up. You were told not to do it, and you did it. Then we're going to flip around. Let's take a look at the goal that's the biggest one in question for Skamaka. Not only do we get a VAR check, we get for the first time in my history a VAR, are you ready, Roger, double check. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like the daily double on fucking whatever that show is where you have to be smart. Clearly, I I don't watch it. Jeopardy. That's what the goddamn thing's called. So we get a double Jeopardy fucking moment on VAR. The, the offside check is so quick because he's clearly on, he's being played on by somebody, you know, on the bottom of the screen as you're looking at it. So that's not even irrelevant. I was always wondering why Skamaka didn't celebrate. And it turns out that Skamaka is a man. He thought the ball may have hit him. So he doesn't celebrate the goal. He waits. He obviously isn't sure. Okay, happens in a fractured moment. When you're playing, you don't feel everything, you know. So I saw the replay, and I got to be honest, I didn't see it hit shit. Yeah. So I think it didn't. I think he got his hand out of the way. I don't think it ever touched anything. And Skamaka does what a great striker does, and he he gets the ball in the back of the net by whatever means necessary. In this case, a chip. So I I don't see anything. When it comes to the Antonio goal, (laughs) bro, you, I mean, that's the right advantage to play. You still should have carded him at least i would have given him a yellow card for coming up so high it's a dangerous tackle yeah but this is the thing this is my problem antonio doesn't get a lot of calls because of his physical attributes and so i think refs look at it and go well you're big and strong you shouldn't go down when the reality is well you'd call that on a aguero which i've seen you do in the past um you know are they going to call that on holland Holland's bigger than all of them and yeah. faster than all of them. Yeah. Is he going to get that Antonio treatment? We haven't seen it yet, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I don't really, I don't see a ton of controversy in all three of the goals. If Fulham have a big gripe, it's with their own fucking player Pereira. Like that's the biggest gripe that they can make because how on earth can you have a ref? And no, no matter what, which way you cut it, the ref is your boss on the pitch. Period. Whatever he says goes. And if you're insubordinate to what he says, you're going to get punished. There's nothing you can do. Like, I just don't understand. And then Marco Silva fucking having an aneurysm on the side and getting a card. Like, dude, at some point, it's very clear why every club gets rid of you because you blame shift. It's never your fault. And we can see it with your reaction on the pitch. That is clearly a pin on Pereira. That is a moment where Pereira had not one, not two, but three opportunities to do the right thing and didn't. In America, we played baseball. We'd have struck you out after three. We gave you a fourth fucking shot. Yeah. Like, and you still didn't do it. Dawson is literally not saying anything, looking at the ref, putting his hands up. Let him make his run and be a fucking footballer and try to make a defensive play on it. Yeah. Like, you have a better shot to let him make his run than to sit there and do that shit because you can give us the pin. It's almost a guaranteed goal. And it's ridiculous too, because you have to figure he's not even trying to look at the ball. Like he's not trying to play the ball. He is, he is looking directly at Dawson has his hands out at his sides, trying to make sure that Dawson can't run past him. You can't do that. It's, it's in the rules. You cannot do that. And for him to act as surprised and it's, it's one thing for the player to do it, but then for the fans to defend it, like, dude, it's okay to be pissed at your players when they fuck up. We were all pissed at Cresswell when he got stupid ass red cards last season in Europa League. You can be pissed at them when they fuck up. Don't threaten them. Don't be that type of a douchebag, but be pissed at the player. But like, uh, Pereira came out and was saying shit about like, oh, Dawson went down like a little girl. Like, bro, you didn't try to defend like a man. Like, you fucking sat there trying to play huggy wuggy with him. Like, get the fuck off him, dude. Like. You have one job to do, you know, it's, it's why, why are you, why are you being tasked with guarding that person? If you have no intention of actually being able to beat him to the ball, because it's never your fault, Liam. I thought we've discussed this. Obviously. What brats do. Who's that fucking, that the tiny redhead's name? Reed, right? Yes, Reed. He's like five, five. They should have had him try to guard. He's five, four. Dude, don't don't uh, give him more than he is. Dude, been, if he played for West Ham, he'd be five, eight. Dude, if he five, had four. the insoles, maybe in his shoes. <laughs> well, look, it's just another case of a bitch on a pitch and it's Pereira. <laughs> yep, so yep. there you go. Bitches on pitches. We've, we're going to log it out throughout the year. Pereira, you are the new bitch on the pitch yep. for Fulham. Um, so in our 
discussion here, in our discussion here earlier, with this whole VAR shit that we're talking about. Yeah. You asked me this question. I think it's very good that we bring this up right now. With everything that's happened with VAR and the way this game went, because every VAR decision went our way. Everything went our way. The ball bounced our way. Hasn't been bouncing our way for years, but today, I'm not, not today, but against Fulham, it did. So you asked this question. I'm going to let you answer it first. Do you feel compensated by the way that game went for what happened at Chelsea? Yes and no, right? Like, it's uh, it was an odd feeling to have that many calls go our way in one match because that, as far as I've ever been a fan, I've never seen that happen. Um, I do. I don't really feel compensated or vindicated, if you will, uh, because I do still think the call in the Chelsea match should have also gone our way. I think both of these calls against a bigger team, we probably don't get them because they're going to favor um, the other side. I mean, even if we're at home against Liverpool or Man City or Man United, the calls are still going to go their way because I firmly do believe that there is there is some corruption in in uh, VAR and in the the the, the PRO. So I, I'm not fully con- uh, wholly convinced that those calls go our way if it's not a team like Fulham or if it was like Villa or Wolves or anybody that's kind of down at the the bottom part of the table. But against a team like Fulham, I kind of feel like if it hadn't gone our way, we would have found another way to score regardless this this is not a good team i'm not trying to just shit on fulham because they're another london team uh derby i don't even really think of them as derby and it kind of bugs me when people throw out london derby it's a derby it's a derby all the fucking time just because there's like seven different teams that are all london-based teams in the premier league right now like derbies are where you have some actual like animosity the only real build-up that we have against fulham is that bobby moore when we didn't really renew his contract he went to fulham like that's the connection, at least for me, for my like West Ham experiences. That's and obviously I wasn't alive when that fucking happened. Well, I was alive, but I wasn't watching West Ham at that point. But like that doesn't influence my opinion on Fulham. They're a yo-yo club. They're the club that's going to be up a season. They're going to drop down. Maybe they survive this season because there are definitely three te- teams worse than Fulham this year. But if they do survive, it's going to be by like the skin of their teeth. It's going to be at the very end of the season. So maybe they survive for two seasons this this go around and then drop the year after. So I'm not looking at that team being like, yeah, we got. I want these big calls to happen against the big teams because that's when we really need it to happen. So to your question, do I feel compensated or vindicated? Not really, because I would expect these calls to go our way. I want the calls that I'm not expecting to go our way to pan out the way they should. But do you feel the same or do you kind of have a different opinion? Fuck, on that one? No, I don't feel compensated. There you go. I don't. And the reason why is Chelsea are above the table on us and they have a point. They have three points when we should have shared the points that day. We earned the right to share the points and we didn't. Um, and VAR fucked us. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't buy it to me. The experiment with VAR is over. It's done. I would rather go with what the ref sees and just deal with it. Mm-hmm then have this VAR shit. Same thing happened in the NFL over here. When you slow shit down, it looks a different way. When the reality is you have to not only look at it in slow-mo, you got to look at it in fast motion. You have to make a determination. And I will say this, the VAR double check on Skamaka, probably the best use of VAR I've personally ever seen. You check the offsides, not offsides, that you're supposed to check that. We make sure. Then they looked at it. There's no clear evidence that it touched any part of him. There's yeah. none. Yeah. If it did, the ball didn't say any, the ball would have told you, you know, the, because a ball in suspended in air, any force acted upon it, it's going to move, right? Well, they watched it four, four or five times. Nothing happened. So there's no evidence that you can't look at it and go, I'm pretty sure it still hit his arm. You can't do that. And I feel like too often, that's what they do with VAR. That's what they do. And it pisses me off. So I just don't feel compensated. Fuck no, I don't feel compensated. There's been too much taken from West Ham United through stuff like this to ever get compensated against goddamn Fulham. Yeah. Like, no, you want to compensate me. You do it against Liverpool. You do it against 
uh, Man United, you do it against Man City, Arsenal, you do it against these guys and take points out of their pocket and put them in ours, and then I'll feel compensated. Yeah. But I won't feel right. I'll feel dirty at that point. Like I said, I just don't, to me, it's over with VAR. Like the experiment is over. Yeah. Well, cause, cause look at it this way. Like if we had that extra point from Chelsea, we're above Fulham on the table. So Fulham's at 11 points with that one point we should have pulled from Chelsea. We would be at 11 points and our goal differential would only be a minus one to Fulham's minus four. So like, that's a hundred percent why I don't feel vindicated. And I think there should be, if you are going to keep VAR, there needs to be a time limit. I think if it's like, if you can't find a reason to overturn the goal in a minute, then you move the fuck on. Cause if it's not apparent in that first minute that there was some reason to overturn the goal, then you need to say, okay, we stay with the on field decision and you move the fuck on. Yeah, that's all it needs to be. Obvious. That's yeah, what clear, it's supposed to be clear and you. obvious. Yeah. And that's not what's happening. Yeah, because it get because anytime you slow anything down and you micromanage it, you're gonna see what you want to see. Yeah, that's what happens. So, to me, like the NFL has solved their problem when it came to uh, when it's come to review, they've taken it out of the refs' hands on the field, and now it goes to New York, a guy that's not watching the game. The play comes in. He hasn't been watching the game. He has no idea what's going on. He looks at the play and he says, this is my determination. And he sends it back to the ref and the call gets made. So it's an unbiased opinion because all he's taught to do is look for clear and obvious. Yeah. That's all he's looking for. Instead of sitting there going in the game, well, I know this player does this. I know that player does that. So this clearly has to be that, which I think infiltrates into VAR decisions sometime, especially when they call the ref over. I hate when the ref gets called over. Yeah. Because the moment the ref gets called over, you know the call's going the other direction. He's not going to stick with his decision because anytime you get to look at it in a slow motion, you're going to see what you want to see. And that's the thing. Every ref should have to look at it in fast motion and slow motion of the part that is controversial. Yeah. Um, and then they should have to see it in fast motion and make a determination. But the refs, you can't have the ref on the field making that call. You no. can't. And the reason why, he's already made a call. And so think about the dilemma that puts the ref in. Do I go back on my decision? Do I change it? If I don't change it, who am I going to piss off? Am I going to get in trouble from my governing body, FIFA? Like, like that's all fucking bullshit. So, no, if you're going to review, it goes to an independent party that's not at the stadium, yeah. number one. And then number two, yeah, you time limited. If he can't figure it out in 120 seconds, it's over. Yeah, The call on the field stands. Yep. And that that's the thing that I am, am so frustrated in. But even with all the fucking controversy, I didn't even realize there was so much controversy on the third goal. Oh, I'll dude, it was nuts. On, online, you should have seen the Fulham fans retweeting the same fucking like two seconds of image and being like, look at the ball, touch his arm. Look at the ball, touch his arm. And every West Ham fan is like, look at that tackle. That's a red card tackle. Okay. Like, well, you know what? We'll give you back the goal. We win two one. Yeah. We still win two one. You know, like, so, I mean, you're going to bitch about that. It's three one. Like yeah. who gives a fuck? Yeah. All right. So let, let's shift into, you know, what we saw at a West Ham in this game, the starting 11 that we saw from West Ham United in this game, when it came across, I looked at you and said, Ooh, I like this. I like what he's doing. So I, I have to ask you this question. This is my pre-production question that I had. Yeah. Um, and because Liam, I, I got to give it to Leah Damas here. I'm going to just want to call you. Uh, Leah Damas, you definitely hit the nail on the head with how to use Antonio and Skamaka together. If you're not going to play them on the field together at the same time. And I think we saw it because when both players score, that tells you something tells you that um, you got a formula here. So with that said, does David Moyes finally know who his best 11 are? I mean, I think so. I think at this point there's, there's, there probably are still some positions that are more competitive than, than we probably are anticipating. It's how do I put it? Like when you look at a player like Ben Rama, where when he's on, he's fucking great. But when he's having an off night, he is just, dog shit like there's just what what was it was it the was it the the first Anderlecht game Anderlecht away which like he just looked so bad uh, pour me some more yes sir this was so good 
Oh, of course you are. Yep, I'm that guy. You greedy bastard. Um, no, but I think, you know, you and I, I think we have leaned more towards like that, more of like a 3-4-3. Three, three. Ooh, nice. Killed another bottle. Yeah. How many have we killed now? This is the fourth. This right. is our fourth bottle Sorry. that we've killed God, so far this season. Gotten, whisk, whiskey has gotten the way of your point so many times. So, uh, again, apologize. No, so, no, have no, we you, seen our best 11? No, you're good. You're good. Um, I think, yes, for the most part. I, Like I said, there's still some competitive roles. I would say that with Fabianski and Ariola, there's still both of them have qualities that I think outshine the other one. I don't think either one of them is a complete keeper better than the other, but I'm starting to lean maybe a little bit more towards Ariola, especially with his performances against Anderlecht. Um, I think with that back four, I like Kara in the right back position. I like Dawson. Uh, Zuma is the best other option for what we have for right now. I still like Cresswell out on that left. I actually really liked having Cresswell and then also Emerson on the pitch. I thought that looked really, really nice. Um, but with this match, he actually had it start out with um, Rice and Suchek in midfield, Fornals, Paqueta, and Bowen as the advanced uh, attacking midfield and then Skamaka up top. I mean, you could tout that out almost week in and week out, and you'd be, you'd be pretty fucking solid. I think maybe you can make arguments that if Benrama's on fire, maybe you drop Fornals and you put Benrama out there on the left. Or if you want a slightly different dynamic uh, with Emerson Palmieri, you can bring Emerson on. Flynn Downs has looked really good in the Europa Conference. And I feel like he's growing more and more into like Declan Rice 2.0. So I think we have a really good defensive midfielder in Flynn Downs. So when Suchek has a little bit more of his roller coaster season that we've seen, I think you can start bringing Downs on and you probably have more of an upside with him because he is younger, he's hungrier, uh, and he's a little bit more of an unknown quantity. Teams know how to prepare for Thomas Suchek because he's not really good with a pass, so they know you crowd him out by the touchline, he's going to pass backwards. He's never going to try to pass a forward or into the midfield to try to lead a player on. It's almost always a back pass. Um, and you and I were talking in the pre-production meeting about Zuma and that there's definitely some, some opportunity when it comes to Zuma. Uh, but all in and based on the performance that we had, like against Wolves, and then obviously against Fulham, what do you think? Is this the best 11? It's not the best 11. It's the best 11 currently available. Yeah. And um, that's the thing. I think a Garrett is yet. We, we've not seen him yet. And we can only go off what we've heard and what we've seen in a very small sample size. Yeah, we played him what he's done in his career. I think a Garrett is going to be featured in that. I think if I'm looking at this, eight of those 11 players on the pitch are That's some, your they're, they're, they're there. Yeah. You know, like I think Skamaka, Paqueta, Bowen. I do think Rice and Suchek's partnership. I think Suchek's figuring it out. I feel like he made today against Anderlecht. He looked really good. Yeah. Had a couple of really good opportunities that he created. I'm not sold Cresswell's the left back of the future. I'm no, just not, not of the future. Current. I, yeah, yeah, I, I I'm, think I'm not I investing long. I think the future's. Knocking on the door. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's a player sitting there that I, you know, I'm not going to say his name because I want to jinx it, but, you know, Jen Benson, you know, <laughs> is a guy that I really think could be there. I don't think Zuma's the best. I think Dawson, we were, we have to apologize to all 19 listeners out there. Um, Craig Dawson's the first choice center back. Yeah. Like the, it's, it's not a, it's not a question. It's been proven. He's he's continually proved it. We thought he was fifth choice, which was kind of why we thought that he was trying to leave. Um, and maybe he was fifth choice. Maybe he was. And then and then you start thinking about, you know, life without Dawson. It's kind of like when you're dating a really hot girl and after a while she doesn't look as hot anymore. And you're kind of like, you know, maybe there's other fish in the sea. Maybe on this. And then you start thinking of life without her and you're like, what the fuck am I thinking? And that's, <laughs> that's what I feel like has happened with David Moyes. He was like, kind of like, what the hell am I thinking? We can't let Dawson go. Look what he's done for us. I, I think Dawson is clearly the first choice center back. I'm not sold zoom as the next. I would, I don't know what the right partnership is. I, I think we have two center backs that are kind of not right. And that's Zuma and Agbana. They're just not right. They're not what they were. And so you have to really kind of think maybe a Garrett is the, 
is the person that solves that problem. And yeah, I tend to agree with you, man. Um, I'm not sold that Ariola is not the best goalie. I think or I think Fabianski's form has been dipping since he's joined us, but it's been a very slow and steady decline, and he's played very well. And I, I like him, but you know the Pereira goal that he gave up was troubling. Um, he's not make like Ariola has the opportunity to make huge saves. Very athletic, very good goalie. Fabianski's a very smart goalie. That's what you know his thing is, but is. His skills are diminishing, and I don't think there's any way that you can say that. So when you say, have we seen our best 11? No, we have not, but we're close. Yeah. We're very close to seeing that starting 11. Um, So let's kind of look at this team. What is the most dangerous thing about the way, about West Ham right now to you? What's the most dangerous aspect of West Ham United? Uh, Piquetta Skamaka. Well, I think that that you know, link up. Stop looking at my fucking sheet. Uh, is that what you wrote oh, down? Oh fuck yeah! I, I mean, going to talk about Paqueta, honestly. Yeah, I mean, in, and Moyes talked about it in the the post match uh, interviews where he was saying that any striker, I think even Skamaka said it. Basically, like any striker in the league in the world would be excited to play with a player like Lucas Paqueta because he just what he brings to the table, his ability on the ball, his movement off the ball, what he offers to you with those moments of brilliance, that's unmatched. Like, we really haven't had a player like that since Payet. And I think that that's where we were so fortunate to have fucking dipshit Lingard fuck off to Forrest because it opened up that opportunity for us to go for a player like Paqueta. Moyes even said he thought bigger clubs were going to go for him and that he'd be out of our our range like we wouldn't be able to do it and then when it got that's why he was like at the tail end of the transfer window before we picked him up because we realized like oh we don't really have other competition like we can make this player happen and we did and i think what we've already seen the link up between i mean brazil's first choice like number 10 and italy's first choice number nine like why would you not think that that was going to be a brilliant partnership so i'm i'm Really excited with how well they've coordinated with each other already. And I'm excited to see how it continues to develop as the season progresses. So I'm guessing you had the same pick, though. I, I did, but I, I have to admit, you said we haven't seen a player like this since, you know, Dimitri Payet. And I'm just going to tell you, we've never seen a player like this. I think this is the most talented player to ever play for West Ham United from what they can do, like what their skill set is, their ability to hold the ball, to pass the ball, to score a goal, to play with both feet, um, to be a leader. I don't think we've ever seen a player like this. Yeah, We've seen guys that are really good at stuff. Like Dimitri Payet is really good at passing and free kicks. Yeah. Like he's really good at those two things. You know, a little bit of a selfish player, whereas Payet, I mean, Paqueta, what I thought was a selfish player, loves to pass the ball. Yeah. Loves to pass the ball. I think he would give up goals to pass it to other players. And when you get a guy like that, that's an assist machine and a chances created machine, he makes everybody else around him better. And if you're going to go spend the mo- money on Gianluca Scamaca, if you're going to go buy him, you better get somebody to get him the ball. And that's what they did. And the fact that we have, Skamaka on our team is so amazing, but it's it's almost hard to fathom that we have Paqueta. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to fathom. This is a player that Arsenal goes and gets. Yeah. This is a player that Pep Guardiola goes and gets. David Moyes just got Lucas Paqueta. Yeah. And since he's come on, he's he's changed the team. We're a different thing going forward. And look, I love Lanzini. You know how I feel about him. I know. I like Bowen. Fornals, I love I I hate to love, yeah. but it's true. That that's how I feel about Fornals. Paqueta's slowly becoming my favorite player. Yeah. He just is so dangerous with what he can do. I love how smooth of an athlete he is. I love how nothing really rattles him. And he goes, and even when he gives the ball away, because when you're that type of player, you're going to take some chances. Yeah. Um, he gives the ball away. Doesn't bother him. Doesn't phase him. Doesn't get mad. Um, 
I love the fact that he's pretty aggressive and he's physical for yeah. a Brazilian player to be that physical is kind of shocking. Yeah. Um, and he's a very physical guy. He'll get out there. He'll mix it up. I don't know how many times I've seen the, you know, him begging for a foul and the refs like, no, I, I love his energy. I love what he does. And I think we are going to see a partnership between Paqueta and Skamaka that I don't think West Ham's ever seen. I, I think when it's all said and done, I really mark my words. Holland is going to be the signing of the year, whatever it is. Fine. So be it. Skamaka is number two. And the Paquette is number three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Skamaka is going to get a lot of notoriety because he can put the ball in the back of the net a lot. Yeah. Um, but everybody, uh, and this is what I think. Don't be shocked if Skamaka finishes in the top five of goals scored in the Prem this year. I feel like he can get 14, 15 goals. Oh, yeah. I think he yeah. can. But hammer of the year is going to be Lucas Paqueta. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's trending that direction already. I mean, if not, I could see Dawson getting it because people feel like this is probably, it could potentially be the final season for him. So it's kind of like that nice little farewell. Um, and it's interesting. I just looked it up. How many goals do you think Dawson has so far in his West Ham career? 13. Five. It How feels many? like 13. <laughs> and that's only like 50 some odd games played. How many goals do you think Ogbonna has in 176 games played for West Ham? Four. Eight. That's it. Only three more goals in more than, than almost triple the amount of appearances that Dawson's had. So when we talk about the impact that players have, like Skamaka, like Paqueta, like Declan Rice, at this point, I think you kind of have to include Dawson in there. I think you have to include like these high-impact players. And to your point, when you have high-profile guys like um, Erling Holland, like Nunez over at what Liverpool, Liverpool Darn, Darn. Um, Gabriel uh, Jesus that now he's over at Arsenal. Arsenal. Like you have these big name, high profile players and you expect them to be at those clubs. You don't expect them to be at West Ham. And I think that's the, what for me, that's what Moyes has, has done to change the perception of what this club is. And it allows us to maintain players like Craig Dawson, like Declan Rice, like Jared Bowen, and attract players like Emerson Palmieri and Thilo Carra and Lucas Paqueta and uh, Jean-Lucas Kamaka. These are big name players. These are players that typically we would get them because nobody else had ever heard of them and they'd be gone in a year. That's usually the way that it went for us. So I think to have this caliber of, of talent, not just in your starting squad, but in your bench like think about last year when we had no depth and we would have to go toward to pull in subs i mean we're pulling in like academy players it was all we had as options now we have dudes that are legitimately fighting each other for a starting position and when Moyes goes to the bench and he can bring on antonio and ben rama and in some cases for nals uh you know he can he can the what? bench is loaded. Well, look like at- they, they've been talking about it. When we played Fulham, I remember the commentators say that's a that's one of the best benches I've ever seen. West Ham have a squad right now that some of the top six Manchester United's clearly jealous of our oh. squad. There's no getting around it. No, Manchester know? United's a I don't give a shit where they are on the table. They're still a joke club. Yeah. They're a fucking banter club. And you kind of look at like, I said this to a friend and he literally laughed at me. And then I pulled up our starting 11 and compared it to his Manchester United starting 11. And I said, I guarantee you there are more players you would take than I would take from you. Yeah. And we went through the list. He wanted five of our guys. I wanted two of his. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of look at the situation. And I'm like, it's not, it's not close. I take Anthony and I would probably take Rashford. And Rashford Maybe. doesn't really start. Now, the only reason to take Rashford is because he's so goddamn fast. Yeah. His speed kills. Yeah. And so, but I mean, like, really, when you look at the squads, West Ham squad, and maybe, you know, I, I'm i not trying to romanticize anything. I'm not trying to, you know, look at everything through claret and blue lenses, but a fucking M. Um, you kind of look at the team that West Ham have. Man, this is a top six side, and they're gonna, I think they're gonna have to fight to get there. Like I told you, you know, points, projections, they're gonna have to go make up for the Forest game. They're gonna have to go beat one of the big boys. They're gonna have to make up for the Everton game. They're gonna have to go beat some of the big boys, and they're gonna have to find a way. But I mean, look, 
You could go beat Arsenal. They're beatable. Tottenham's beatable. Manchester United's beatable. There they are. And everybody goes, what are you talking about, Kyle? You know, what are you talking about? Arsenal's top of the table. Man, fucking who's Arsenal played? Yeah. Like, don't give me that shit. Liverpool's not what Liverpool used to be. Liverpool's realizing right now how much they fucked up by letting Sadio Mane go. Like, they're, <laughs> they're getting it. Like, they're understanding it. And Salah's going, this was so easy for me. Yeah, because fucking Mane took a lot of pressure off you. Yeah. And so Saudi Omani, remember, was linked with West Ham United. We would have never let that guy go. No. Like, ever. he would have been a West Ham legend. Yeah. Um, so I, I just kind of look at this situation, and, and West Ham United have such a talented squad, and they just got to start winning. And maybe this, this run of games between Wolves, Fulham, and, you know, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but Southampton, if they get nine points out of these, which I said they needed, and you said, I'll be okay with seven. If they end up getting nine, which is what I wanted them to do. Yeah. I mean, it's on now. You know, you, you got three on the spin. You're feeling good. You figured out who you are. Nobody, every game should now be winnable, no yeah. matter if it's Man City or if it's Fulham. Now, Man City, well, maybe not Man City. <laughs> get ahead of myself here. But, you know, with that said, they can complete what I've said this Sunday when they take on Southampton. So let's take a look ahead at this squad that might walk out on the field. So who is your starting 11 for this game? Southampton at St. Mary's. We're finally leaving the London Stadium. I feel like we haven't left London Stadium in a, in a month. Uh, we're finally leaving our beloved home um, that you know we now... We used to hate. Now we kind of love. Kind of love it. Um, and we're heading to the South Coast, to Southampton, to take on uh, the Saints at St. Mary's. Um, they've lost four consecutive. Um, we've won two straight. We're feeling good. We've won, I think, four total now, if you count the Anderlet game. So we're on a four-game winning streak yes. in all competitions. They've lost four straight. What's your starting 11 for this? Honestly, I probably don't change it. I probably keep Fabianski at the back, uh, Cresswell, Zuma, Dawson, Kara across the the back line, Rice and Suchek in the middle, Fornals, Paqueta, and Bowen uh, to the front, and then Skamaka up top. I think maybe if you want to make any change, uh, because Bowen performed so well against Anderlecht, maybe you throw Bowen in on that left hand side. But knowing David Moyes, he fucking hates Ben Rama, so he'll probably throw he'll probably throw Fornells out there because he'll run his socks off. And he provides more defensive capabilities on that left-hand side versus uh, what Ben Rama does. And Cresswell just doesn't have the pace or the height sometimes to deal with some of those overlapping fullbacks. So to, to our benefit, we're probably going to want to have Fornells on there. So I'd probably keep it the same. What about you? I, the only change would possibly be for now, but I don't think he needs to not start. And I'm not saying that because I have a hate to love relationship with him. I'm saying it that if you're going to replace one guy, like if you're going to make a change, the first change you probably make is him. Um, and I, and I would put Benny on, but you know, we just talked about it. Uh, David Moyes clearly for some reason has issues with Ben Rama. Um, I think I think you don't change it. You don't change the starting team. You just don't do that. Yeah. Um, and if you did, it'd be four nows, but I wouldn't. And that's coming from the guy that, you know, sends it on the Fresno Irons text thread all the time. Uh, probably the most common thing I say is fucking four nows. You do. Um, every time. By the way, Fresno Irons have created a new drinking game, if you don't know. Every time four nows sends the ball into the feet of the opposing team, take a shot. You'll be drunk by the 40th minute. I'm just letting you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so. I like what West Ham are doing. I think, like we said earlier, this is the best 11 available. And I think this is what you run with. You don't change a winning team. You let them build some chemistry and you get out there and you put it to Southampton. You go win that game Yeah. and you get nine points, which is I, I'm going to be the Nostradamus on this one saying that's what we needed. You know, we talked about it. You said I would be happy over the next three games if we got seven. I think we need nine, and I think we're one game away from doing that. And the way this team is trending, it's more likely than not we will get those three points. So because of that, what is your score prediction? And then also while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and give me your goal scores? Perfect. Uh, I think that this is going to be a pain-in-the-ass match because Southampton plays very cagey when it's against us. And they're they're that team that they they sit deep and they try to, to kind of uh, – slow the the game down and then at towards the end they'll start lumping numbers forward to get that late goal to try to win that's that's essentially their 
uh, their MO from, from what I've seen so far this season. I, I feel like we don't, we are starting to get the talent to be able to break down those back lines. We've seen Paquette and Skamaka be able to do that. Uh, so I do think Skamaka gets on the score sheet again. And then I think you bring on uh, 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 Antonio and I think he'll actually get a goal as well. I think Antonio is starting to gain a little bit of his confidence back. And if we can keep Southampton pinned and then they try to lump forward a uh, numbers forward to try to get that equalizer goal, I think it's going to leave them open to attack. And I think Antonio gets uh, on a breakaway. If not Antonio, it's Bowen. Um, man of the match for me, it's going to be, uh, Craig fucking Dawson. It's fucking Craig, uh, because he has absolutely been phenomenal the last several matches. Uh, and I, I think that he'll continue to perform against Southampton with some really great blocks. What about you? Easy cheesy. This game's going to be a nice, um, dominant performance from West Ham United. We're winning this game to Neil Skamaka gets on the score sheet yet again. Big Dawes gets one nice. uh, from the set piece. Lucas Paqueta is your man of the match um, because when you have the ultimate key master, he can unlock any lock and that Ooh. is Lucas Paqueta. So um, Lucas Paqueta, the master lock champion will be the one unlocking that back line for you. I don't, I think Southampton will put up a fight. I think they'll have stretches in game where they'll be the better side, but I think West Ham United's class will, will show. And I think that they figured out who they are and I think they can go down early now. Um, even though it's Fulham, you, you felt that. And now you know that you can get back into this. Um, so oh. I'm excited for this match. Also, I was going to say Southampton's only scored one goal in those four matches. So if they do score against us, uh, that will be fucking obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> and let's be honest, it'll happen. It'll James, happen. James Ward-Prowse will get one. Um, <sighs> so maybe I'm changing my score prediction right now to 2-1. Yeah. And James Ward-Prowse gets one because why? We were linked with him in the offseason yeah. to bring him in. But, you know, Southampton wanted $120 million for him, which has been the most expensive English player, which we know he's clearly better than any other English player. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, before we talk next time, we're not going to get a chance to really preview this one for you too much, but we do play Liverpool Wednesday. a week from today. No, a, a week yesterday, from yesterday. yesterday yeah. So we play Liverpool on Wednesday. Um, we'll go, we'll throw, you know, look, we're doing this off the seat of our pants here. We're not going to do the starting 11s because um, we want to see how this team's perform. Obviously, if West Ham have a shit performance against Southampton, that would change for us. But looking at this, you got a Liverpool team right now who's licking their wounds. You know, they lost to Arsenal, and I don't necessarily believe Arsenal's better than them. I just don't think Liverpool know how to play with this kind of new look that they are. Um, so we might be catching them at the right time, and we also could be catching a dog that's ready to bite. Yeah. So what is your prediction for this Liverpool game? I'm going to call it a 1-1. We score first hold on and they score at like the death. So it feels like a loss, even though it's a draw and it's a way and we'll be happy to take the point. It's going to feel like a loss because it's going to seem like we're, we're that we're going to take all three and then they're going to fucking get some sort of bullshit should like should have been off sides or it should have been, you know, caught and it wasn't because it's Livar pool and they fucking equalize at the death. What about you? Oh man, I I think a draw is a great shout, and I think if we beat South, here's how I'll say it: if we beat Southampton, it's a draw. And the reason why is because I think going into Anfield, no matter what form Liverpool in, is a tough place to play. And West Ham United have literally won there once in I think the past seventy years. Yeah, and it was Slavin Bilic's uh, first year. Yeah, was the last time we won. Now we we can manage a draw here and there, but that's going to be a tough match, no matter which way you slice it. I think West Ham United know more of who they are right now than Liverpool do, which to me is a big advantage because you can go out there, you can frustrate them a little bit. And if you frustrate a team like Liverpool, they're going to try to revert to something that they're not very good at. So I do see a one, one match, but I actually see it the reverse. I see Liverpool getting a, a you know, an earlier goal, like in the 30th minute or so. And then West Ham figuring them out getting the better of them and then getting a 60 70th minute goal to equalize. And then West Ham basically having the best of it towards the end and maybe even trying to find a late winner, but they'll just fall short of that. So I think West Ham get a one, one draw. Just see it in the reverse of you. Gotcha. 
Yeah, and I looking at their previous matches, they haven't had a ton of high-scoring games. So uh, they're not coming fast and furious with the goals. I think them. Well, they're the, a lot slower team now because yeah. they they don't have the pace of Mane. Now, don't get me wrong, Salah can move. Yeah, and he's a he's still top three, top four most dangerous player in the Prem. I'm not taking anything away from him. But when you don't have your running mate anymore because you're a fucking prick and don't know how to work with people, I mean, Sadio Mane is a great guy. And all the times he got upset, like it was Salah being selfish and not passing him the ball. After Mane passes him the ball, I think Mane led the Prem two years in a row in assists. Yeah. Like, and most of assists went to him. He he was at one or two. It was either him or, or De Bruyne. Yeah. But... I, I, I think West Ham have a real shot, especially if they beat Southampton. They're going to be feeling good. They're going to go. Um, this will be a match, I'll tell you right now, if they do find a way to win, that makes up for the Forest game. 100%. Um, yep. But it does not make up for, you know, other games that, we, you know, the fucking Brighton. Brighton, for sure. So, yeah. you know, we still have to make up for that one. So that brings us to everybody's favorite part of the show. It's time for our yellow and red cards. I'll start it off with the yellow card. Um, I'm going to give the yellow card to Lucas Fabianski. Um, I, I love you, Lucas. I do firmly believe if you were born in a different time in Poland, uh, World War II never begins because you stopped the Germans single-handedly um, from even getting into Warsaw. So uh, that's a history joke, by the way. Um, I, I just really do like him, but he's fading. And I'm giving him a yellow card, putting him on notice. Pereira's not that good, and he scored a goal that should have never been scored. Yeah. And you gave a team hope that you shouldn't. And I'm not saying that it's not your fault. You know, the defender fell down and we all saw it. And they, they send a pass out. The guy's supposed to be tracking back covering prayers, not there. Um, so it's frustrating, but that's a save you got to make. You got to send that over the bar. Yeah. And you were too slow to get to it. So he gets my yellow card. Who's yours? Uh, I'm going to flip mine. Mine's going to Zuma for the yellow card because I'm on the opposite side. I do think that, Fabianski could have done better with it, but I think Zuma could have done better with closing it down. And I know we've talked about it briefly, but there is something wrong with Kurt Zuma. Like he is not the, like when he first stepped on the pitch for West Ham, he looked great. Ever since the cat incident, there always seems to be something off. Like he just, like even the way he runs, it seems like he's in pain. Like he's always playing with a knock. And I don't know if like Moyes just, isn't noticing because we don't really have somebody else to come in to, to cover for him. Cause with Ogbana, he came off with, at the end of the game and Dawson had to come in to, to finish out the rest of it. So I don't, I don't know what's going on with Kurt Zuma, but whatever it is, he needs to fucking figure it out fast. Or like we were saying earlier, a, a Garrett is absolutely going to take his spot in the starting lineup. It's time for the red cards. You want, you want to go first? You want me? Uh, how do you, how do you want to do this? How uh, do you want to do this, Liam? You go first. You all go right, first. My red card, here it goes. I'm fucking done with VAR. I'm done. (laughs) The VAR has no consistency, and that's where the red card goes. It goes to the consistency. I'm sick and tired of you picking, choosing what you review and what you don't. There's been so many times West Ham are like, can you review this? They're like, no, we're not going to review it. Fuck off. There's no consistency. The experiment's over for me. It's done. If you can't figure it out, then you can't use it. If you don't know how to play with the toy properly... You don't get the goddamn toy. So I'm sick and tired of the look. There's prep. Let's be real. I know you're not going to agree with this, but there's probably not controversy in VAR. There's stupidity. Yeah. And we're, and we're mistaking stupidity for controversy because when you make the stupidity of these decisions all the time and what, what you review and what you don't, and then slowing it down and not like, it's just getting out of fucking hand. Yeah. And I'm done with it. I would rather live and die on the referee's decision on the field and be upset about that than VAR because the letter of the law doesn't matter anymore with VAR. You don't know how to interpret what clear and obvious means. Nobody knows the rule book. They pick and choose the rules that matter for the particular review and ignore the ones that don't. For example, the one against Chelsea. Oh, he made contact with the keeper. Well, nobody wanted to look at the other part of the rule that said, well, the keeper has to be in control of the fucking ball. Yeah. And so, like, all these things, like, I'm sick and tired of this, not understanding what the rules are, picking and choosing what part of the rule you follow and what part you do not, um, slowing it down, taking forever, not reviewing it when you should review it. It's a fucking joke. They don't know how to use it. 
Yeah. If you don't know, look, if you can't appreciate your hot girlfriend, guess what? She's going to sleep with me and you fucked off. <laughs> so that's the reality. Cause I will appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm just sick and tired of VAR. They get my red card. Peace out. Deuces. Go fuck with the MLS. Like everybody else does when your career is over. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, I'm going to go with these leaky fucking goals. Like we saw, we saw, we have seen this so many times this season where we're, we're slow on the onset. The other team gets a goal. And then all of a sudden we pick up the pace, but it's because we're chasing the fucking game. Like you look at the second half of that Fulham game, hundred percent in control. Majority of the wolves game. We were in control, even though we didn't have majority of the ball, we still were in control of the game. Cause wolves did fuck all with the possession that they had. I don't understand this. Like you, we have the best defensive midfielder in the league, if not the world in Declan Rice. So how is it that you have this brilliant defensive midfielder? You have these, you know, expensive center backs and Kurt Zuma and Kara, who's also now playing right back as well. And Fabianski as, as your keeper. And you're still letting in stupid goals. Like the, the, the goals against Chelsea. What the fuck? Like it, it boggles the mind that we're allowing these stupid goals to go in and finding ourselves on the back foot. I mean, thankfully against Fulham, we were able to turn it around and get that three, one and wolves. We finally kept a fucking clean sheet, but it's, it's, it's not the way that we want to be playing these matches. And especially a game with the games coming up, you do not want to go goal behind with South Southampton because they will pack out the, 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 the final third and they will, absolutely park the bus to try to keep us from scoring and try to hit us on the counter with Liverpool. They're going to dominate possession. So we already are going to have to concede that and hope that we can catch them on the break. But if they decide to just play, keep away, we're fucked. If they get that early goal and play, keep away. What are we going to do? So we, we can't be chasing these games. We a hundred percent have to get the first goal and don't just park the bus and hang on, push for more goals. We cannot hold on to one nil victories it has to be resoundly two nil three nil like the games that we had two seasons ago beating wolves beating lester that's what it needs to be well said liam and that brings us to the end of episode nine we're sorry we missed an episode but guess what you got a very happy hammers here in the bearded bastards radio studio here in fresno california um as always, I want to thank uh, Tim and Lee for the opportunity to do this show on the American Hammers Network, which Bearded Bastards are proud to be a part of. Um, again, if you ever want to get involved in the show, feel free to hit us up at, at AHRWHU. We have changed the interface now. We have a nice new logo that says yeah. the Bearded Bastards. So thank you to Liam and his uh, his his uh, team. That was Gavin Otteson. So Gavin Otteson art was the designer of that logo. And he did a fucking fantastic job. Great job. Gavin, Gavin, the great Damn. way to go. Um, we do appreciate you uh, doing that for us. Also, um, if you, you know, if you ever want to get involved, hit us up, let us know how much we suck. We know we suck, but we'd love to see how much talk your shit. And I'll tell you right now, you got a couple of good lines. We'd love to bring you on here to the beard bastards radio. Um, talk with us. Um, if you want to hit up Liam or myself, you can find us at, at Fresno irons on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Um, we are both members of the Fresno irons here in Fresno, California. And if you find yourself on a Sunday morning at, 6 a.m. in Fresno, California. Come on down to Full Circle Brewing Company and watch with the loudest group in Fresno, the Fresno Irons. And remember, your first beer is on us. So uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again, and we'll do our best not to miss for episode 10 this yeah. year. So for Liam, this is Tex. And as always, come, come on, you irons. irons.